Oh no, I failed. Yeah, I'll be fine. It's fine. It's all it's good. Fine. It's all good. You know what we're doing, right? 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 Yeah. 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 Hey everyone, and welcome to the Cutaways podcast. I'm Justine, and I'm Ashley, a fan of the Stanley Cup Final Western Conference champion St. Louis Blues. <laughs> It's still hockey season. I don't know. For me, it is. <laughs> Can you hear the excitement and joy? The Blues okay, have never brought such joy, Justine. I know, because they lose all the time. I know, they're still going to lose, but you know, let me have this one moment. For the, the fans at home, uh, this is actually Ashley's team against my team for the big, big trophy of the year. Yeah, it really is. And Ashley's team has a record of losing. And my team has like a record of winning. But I'm rooting for Ashley's team. <laughs> Out of fear and obligation. <laughs> yeah, a little of that. And I mean, I like to be surprised. Who knows? <laughs> so this is why Ashley is going to be talking about hockey this episode more than any other episode. Probably. But other than that, we are a podcast where we watch romantic comedies in chronological order and talk about them and bitch about them and make up funny memes to put on the internet on occasion. Yeah, we yeah, do yeah, things. Sometimes. At you know. Cutaways Podcast. <laughs> anyway, today we're watching a movie that I picked. That's right. Today we watched 2003's Duplex. It's a fun little, a fun little romp directed by Danny DeVito, which I've always... Danny DeVito should direct more things. I love him. I love his style. He does have a unique style. Yeah. The description for the movie is from IMDb, and it goes as thus. A young couple has a chance to move to into a gorgeous duplex in the perfect New York neighborhood. I didn't know Brooklyn was the perfect New York neighborhood, but okay. All they have to do is bump off the current tenant, a tiny little old lady. This is a good, good uh, riffing off of the actual <laughs> yeah. description. That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, it makes them seem very nefarious. Yes. Which do you think Which they, they were... kind of? They kind of are. They kind of are. I mean, I still have questions as to why. Well, I, I understand that essentially, spoiler alert, the movie is a con job. We'll get into it. Yeah. We have thoughts. I have thoughts. You have thoughts. Yeah, we all have thoughts. Uh, this movie's. That's our catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> this movie starred Ben Stiller, who we previously saw in Reality Bites and There's Something About Mary. It also starred Drew Barrymore who was previously in The Wedding Singer, Ever After, A Cinderella Story, and Never Been Kissed. And Eileen Essel, that's how you say it? I thought, mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. As previously mentioned, it was directed by Danny DeVito and edited by Greg Hayden and Lindsay Klingman, with the additional mm -hmm. film editor as Michael Hoffacker? Hoffacker? Yeah, I think it's Hoff. Hoffaker. 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 Yeah, that sounds better. It could be Hofarks. <laughs> no, I don't think that sounds right. <laughs> assistant editor for Avid was Alex Hepburn. The additional assistant editors were Elizabeth Schmidt, Ben Williams, and Curtis Crony? Crowen? Sure. Crony? I think it's Crony. Crony. Yeah. And the two post PAs for. 
the movie where Jennifer O'Hill and Alan Columbo. 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 Oh, my bad. The movie is the perfect length of an hour and yes. 29 minutes. It's rated PG-13 for sexual content, language, and some violence. This was PG-13? Didn't seem like it. It seemed PG to me. Yeah. Definitely it's- today this would be PG. I mean, this wasn't too long ago, but it was PG-13 light. Yeah, very <laughs> light. It has a 5.9 out of 10 IMDb rating and a 50 Metascore. So, you know, it's pretty yep. average, according to the interwebs. Duplex. Duplex. It has Harvey Firestein in it, which, yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. He was Ursula at The Little Mermaid uh, live mm-hmm thing that they do at the Hollywood Bowl and it was amazing. I was so mm-hmm. happy. I was so happy. Oh yeah, this movie also has Wallace Shawn in his stereotypical Wallace Shawn roles. <laughs> and a little cameo from Maya Rudolph. She was young. It's like they barely wanted to give her lines. <laughs> and now she's huge. She's Maya Rudolph. So I'm I I would like to know, Ashley. Do you still love this movie? How long has it been since you've seen it? And what are your feels now? It's probably been about eight years since I've seen it. I think it's fun. I really like. I like it. I think it's it fits that like quirky, ridiculous that doesn't take itself so seriously. Like you don't really mm-hmm. need to know why everything is happening i think i understand it now more than i did when i first saw it like in college Mm -hmm. you know back then i was just like oh this is just a ridiculous movie about a couple trying to like kill an old lady but now i'm like oh this is like a con movie about the old lady conning these people you know getting them into the building and then like her son splits the commission Mm-hmm. With, with the her, police officer. With her. But I thought it was also a really interesting like allegory about like young people having this fantasy about like the perfect like marriage and then like you go and then you have a baby and then like the the baby comes and then it like completely destroys your life because you're expecting your baby to just be perfect. So I kind of mm-hmm. thought that I, I I really kinda liked that idea of it. Yeah. I can see that, too, as kind of like the allegory of like a relationship of like having to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right with like setting up ideas and expectations and then like the reality where everything fucking fails. And what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's there's some parts of it that I'm like, oh, this did not age well. Mm-hmm. But I was also really happy with the old lady character like I really liked her because she really like towed this really fine line of being just annoying enough to where you're like this bitch knows what she's doing to Mm -hmm. also being like oh she's just a sweet old lady who's just senile and you know like there's there's these moments where she goes back and forth and I, I absolutely, I've always loved the scene where they go up and try and smother her with the pillow and she lights the cigarette <laughs> and she's like crazy creepy. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. what I aspire to as an older woman. <laughs> like, You know what I like about her as an actress is that she didn't start acting until like a, maybe a couple years before this or this was her first major role in acting. 
Um, she has since passed from this uh, yeah, world. Yeah, I knew that. But you know how I've always said that's my dream of getting into acting as an old lady. <laughs> so here, like, Z, this is your, like... These are the roles. Goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We will remake this movie for you. I will be the old lady, Thanks. like, screaming <laughs> to get this remade for you. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, so uh, for my, like, first impressions for me as... Before we talk about it, I'm already, I'm like, thumbs down, didn't care for it, because I don't know, I don't know what the elements were, and I'm hoping to figure that out with you as Mm -hmm. we go on this podcast journey together, hand in hand. (laughs) I'm like, "Ah, there's just something, I'm like, what? I'm like, what is it that doesn't work? And I just like, is it the budget? I'm like, is it, I'm not sure it's the directing. I'm like, I really like. Danny DeVito's style, as we talked about, because he directed Matilda as well, right? Yes. And it reminded me a lot of that. He uses a lot of the same interesting camera angles, like the high uh, high angles and the canted angles. But maybe they do work better in like that the child movie rather than this. I would disagree because I think... I mean, it gave me something interesting to look at. Yeah, this movie is not meant to be set in reality, but I do agree that the budget on this movie feels smaller than a like smaller than it should for the fantastical side uh-huh. of it that they kind of took with it. What makes me think that is Drew Barrymore's makeup. Yes, and there's there's moments where like even the lighting is a little bad. And you can't Mm -hmm. necessarily, like, especially the bedroom stuff, you can't always really see exactly what's going on, a la Game of Thrones. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I feel like Drew has looked better in everything that we've seen her in thus far. Yeah, even Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller looked kind of old. They they kind of felt old for the role. Especially when they're going with the young couple couple angle. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. Like, they were... Ben Stiller, Andrew Barrymore produced it, so mm-hmm. they probably gave them the producer credit to convince them to do it, just so that they could have the big names attached to it, aside from Danny DeVito. Yeah. I also feel like yeah. Danny DeVito wanted to make this movie, so he was going to make it at a lower budget, because it was kind of like, I don't want to say passion project, but it definitely had, I don't know, there's something about it that fantastical quality of it that I just, I really gravitate towards. So I'm willing to forgive a lot of these poor filmmaking things. I feel like it's a combination of like a story like Money Pit Mm -hmm. and then like an allegory story about your expectations and then, you know, not always meeting those expectations. It felt like a 90s movie, you know, like, yeah, I can see that. It, I feel like it took a couple years back. So yeah, that's why I'm like, ah, it didn't quite hit it for me. And I'm trying to, yeah, that's why I'm just trying to figure out the elements. Let's, Mrs. Connolly, the old lady. I think also she was a really good actress. Yes, I really liked like the subtlety of her performance. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, like she really towed that perfect line between being menacing but also innocently dumb. Mm-hmm. I think some of the jokes didn't hit well for me. Yeah, there were a lot of jokes that didn't age well. 
I don't know, like little Dicky. Like. Yeah, little Dicky, the panty thing. But a lot of it, like I'm going back to it. And I'm like, that's is that really like a joke for a laugh? Or when you go back and you see that it was a con, that it was specifically placed to get like an odd reaction. Yeah. The character that Drew Barrymore plays, Nancy. Nancy. (laughs) Nancy. I do kind of, I'm like, damn girl, just just like back off. I know, just wait a few years. She'll probably die naturally. Like immediately she went in. She's like, I want this old lady gone. Yeah. She's just like vicious. I'm like, I'm siding with the old lady because you, you crazy. Yeah. No, I've always felt that way, but I, I, I think I like this movie because the old lady ultimately wins. Like, mm-hmm. and and you can see, like at the end, she's done this significantly for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how she supplements her income, and I just love the fact that Harvey Weinstein is her son. Hmm. Well, I also like the fact that he just like put it in there that his partner is Officer Dan. Yeah. They're just like, oh, here's the money for our next vacation <laughs> together, honey, sweetie, dear. <laughs> Going on a cruise ship for pride, bitch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's just supporting gay rights. I mean, right, what's yeah. wrong with that? <laughs> ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore, they're the bad people in this movie. <laughs> well, yeah, they definitely, I, and I do definitely feel like there's something about this that, like, Drew Barrymore represents, like, white feminism to mm-hmm. me. Some white feminists talk a really good talk, but it's not about achieving equal rights for everybody. It's about achieving equal rights for them. So like Mm -hmm. when Drew Barrymore comes in and is like, oh, no, we need this apartment because I need to have a baby. It's like, girl, why do you need to have a baby? Yeah. Well, to keep up with her friend. But anyway, who social norms? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, doing illegal things like entering somebody else's apartment without their notice. Well, just to show her friends. Yeah. But still, you can't do that. Yeah. No, 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 you can't. I'm just like, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, come and see what I will soon own. (laughs) That's the question I would have. Like, are Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore supposed to be our protagonists in this movie or are they supposed to be our antagonists see now i think the movie benefits from a a rewatch for watching it that way with that in mind yeah but i feel like ben stiller's character so often gets the the short end of the stick well because i feel like he's supposed to be the bumbling idiot man kind of stereotype the reaction i had like, I, like, exclaimed out loud, like, so loudly when she threw his laptop into the fire. I was just like, <gasps> like that. I was like, no. Because he, that, that, that hurt so much. You know, for me, the assistant editor in me was like, that's why you back shit up, dude. Like, even back then, you could have backed it up on a, on a CD or mm-hmm. a flash drive or something like that's on yeah. you bro like that's poor uh, poor planning it really is even <laughs> though like he just did it like he just did it like he just didn't back it up from the bar to his home oh god it it hurts it hurts so much <laughs> she lost it all oh god <laughs> i'm like oh my god there's no there's no automatic cloud <laughs> crying inside 
<sighs> what do you think the worst thing is that happened in the movie? The worst thing? Yeah. To Ben Stiller? Uh, you pick. <laughs> Although a lot of shit does happen to Ben Stiller. I think the worst thing would be having the entire city of New York knowing that his penis is nicknamed Mr. Peabody. Like, I really... like. That was the point where I was like, ooh, that's like secondhand embarrassment right here. I, that is uncomfortable. And then when he said, oh, yeah, my parents read this magazine, I'm like, oh, shit. And then she really wasn't even that, like, apologetic about it. Yeah. I don't know. It's that part, it seemed to me, I'm like, I don't know if that would really happen. Like, somebody else's eyeballs would have to hit that before it really prints. I don't know. They were on a deadline, though. Just like, I don't know how, like, how. Just- her slideshow of her husband's penis keeps getting intermingled with all of her work stuff. I think that's just on her. Like, that's yeah. just her doing personal stuff on her work computer. These people cannot organize their technology. Yeah, that's what <laughs> laptops at work are for. Like, you have mm-hmm. your personal shit on your laptop. You do not put your personal shit on your computer at work. Mm-mm. I mean, that's just me. So this movie's come so far in that we cringe about like personal uh, media organization. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get into it. I'm not sure how my notes will fare. So the movie starts off with lovely cartoon, (laughs) some animation of Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore with Danny DeVito narration of talking about the American dream home and what it's like buying a house. You either... In a prime location with a shitty small house or out in the middle of nowhere with garbage. And dead people, apparently. (laughs) Or you find this diamond in the rough. Brooklyn. (laughs) Brooklyn. Brooklyn. (laughs) No sleep till Brooklyn. I mean, they had no sleep. They had none. None whatsoever. Maybe that's also like the worst (laughs) thing too. Yeah. To not have any sleep at all at night. (laughs) I mean, I know Sam is really cranky when he doesn't have sleep, but also that means that I normally don't have sleep. So I'm like, you know, you don't see me sitting over here complaining, bitch. Like, just deal. People can get cranky with no sleep. I just get cranky when you don't feed me. That's true. Okay. Uh, so as we mentioned, Harvey is their real estate agent. And he's showing them this place, this duplex, which, OMG, it's got built-ins and a little library. Sign me up. You know how crazy I am for built-ins. And those stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. Those were gorgeous. And all original woodwork and the staircase. I have been watching a lot of HGTV. <laughs> Justine's like, you know, the Property Brothers could come in and just like really make this look really nice. Yeah, you just keep the bones nice, but then like update kitchen, bathroom and like, ooh, some nice like rafters in that in that main bedroom, master bedroom suite. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just all nice. The house needed a really good light feature. It's what it was missing. Yeah, that is what it was missing. I agree. Ashley and I on the side, <laughs> real estate agents. They and and they had the ability to like do that. Now that there's that giant hole in the wall in the ceiling, they could fix it up really nice. Oh my goodness! I don't even know what the point of that was. Wouldn't that was that make it 
so that she could hear all their plans because they just literally opened up to create a listening space between her apartment and theirs. I personally think there was just some very poor decisions being made in this situation. We'll get into that yes. when it happens. Yes. Okay. So they see the duplex. They're like, where are these stairs go? And they're like, oh, there's somebody upstairs. And like, great, let's meet her. Oh, she's a little old lady. She's so sick. She's like, sorry, I'll be better soon. Also, after that, they sign. They're like, yay, it's perfect. We love it. They have dinner with their friends. Ben Stiller's character is a writer, but his friend is also a writer and he writes murder books. (laughs) Yeah, his wife is pregnant she's four months pregnant with a flat stomach (laughs) i don't think she was really pregnant no because then she had a glass of wine (gasps) at their party continuity right so when they move in montage they go up and see mrs connelly and bring her a bottle of wine which she does not partake in because it's a sin (laughs) which i love the joke about Oh, you're an Irish Catholic and you don't drink? I was like, yeah. oh shit, that is so true. <laughs> that made me so happy. They get to finally see the interior of her apartment and we get to see like all of her little knickknacks and stuff, like how she has a spear gun. Because? Because her big dick um, <laughs> husband was a sea captain. <laughs> he was a seaman. He was a seaman. That was the joke. Yeah. Big dick. Big dick was a seaman. <laughs> But she couldn't have children. No, it was too late. It was too her. late for her. Oh my god, the old I, I like her. She was so good. <laughs> and her line delivery of those jokes was real. I like, wish the jokes were better, but she's good. Yeah. When you think about old lady comedians, you always think of Betty White, but I think mm-hmm. that she was she was good. Uh, she also has a macaw that we mentioned, who's Little Dick, Little Dicky, Little Dicky, and Big Dicky. At this time, like, Nancy, 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 (laughs) trying to take pictures of the apartment so she can plan how she's going to renovate it. This bothered me so much. I'm like, girl, that's just so rude. It's so rude. (laughs) (laughs) But like she kicks him out before she's able before they're able to see the whole apartment. So that night, the couple tries to get frisky because they're like, hey, hey, we need to christen the apartment but then the the old lady upstairs tv is just blaring and it's blaring off and on they're trying to get it on off and on all night they're awake all night cannot do it i don't know why they can't do it i would assume that i would be happy that the tv was on so you can be Mm -hmm. as loud as you want exactly that was like oh her tv's (laughs) so loud so she can't hear us let's get it done and then when we're trying to sleep be like uh excuse me they do try and tell her that it's too loud yeah but see as a landlord and because they Mm -hmm. seemed like they spent like a lot of frivolous money you could have opened up the ceiling and like put in like new noise canceling like insulation and and stuff like there are ways yeah i mean it's also in many leases to have quiet hours after like 10 o'clock yeah so they could have and and if she was breaking the lease even with Mm -hmm. the rent control rent control only controls controls the financial interaction it doesn't Mm -hmm. control the ability to kick a tenant out because she's being obnoxious that's right 
So Alex was very keen to get this place because as a writer, he can sit in that library and finish this book, which needs to be finished in this short amount of time. Which he could have negotiated an extension. Yeah, and I mean, he could have gotten out of the house so much sooner. See, there's a, these little things where I'm like, why didn't you just do this? Why didn't you just do that? Yeah. It's like, it was hard and fast on these rules, you know? But I think it worked in the... Because this movie is not supposed to be reality. I definitely... I, I think there is an allegory side to this, which I, it, which works because Danny DeVito is normally pretty allegorical because Matilda is mm-hmm. an allegory about growing up. So... Yeah. So when Alex is always sitting down to write, Mrs. Connolly comes down and interacts, interacts with him and being like, hey, can you check out the pipes? Can you take down the garbage? Like, can you do all these little old lady things with me? He could have hired a maid. <laughs> just saying. He complains about this to Nancy, and Nancy's just like, you just need to set some boundaries. Yes. So he, he does that. The next time she comes down, he's like, listen... When I'm in here, it's business hours. Do not interrupt me. And she's just like, oh, but I bought your book and I wanted you to sign it. It makes him feel bad. And then once he's feeling bad, gets him to do all the stuff again, like going to the pharmacy to count pills, going to the bank to count pennies and going to the grocery store to count grapes. You know what I would have done? What? You could get her a coin counter so that she can just dump it all in there. Like she has to kind of use... I I know that this is a con, but there are things that they could have tried before murder. Yeah, and definitely, like, as we were saying, legal yes. things. Legal ramifications could have also been benefited. Right, because as you mentioned, they are the landlords in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. So they make the rules. <laughs> Whatever. Let's see, Mrs. Connolly also has a brass ensemble, so there's no sleeping in on Saturdays. <laughs> Which, you know, fair. So at one point... Alex gets the idea uh, to install a clapper for her TV so that once she falls asleep, he can just clap and turn off the TV. I like this scene. Which part? Even though it's totally breaking and entering. When he actually goes in there to install. Yeah. And then she comes in and takes a bath with him in the bathroom. And she masturbates. She does. Some elderly self love. You know I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you know what I do think that I, I figured out why I like this movie so much because it is it is like one of the the moments where the wise old lady wins it's just not so stereotypical like it's not something that you would expect I think is mm-hmm. is what I'm going going after yeah it's a little cautionary tale our like you said our heroes do not win at the end of this yeah. Well, they and, do learn. And we get kind of a well-rounded f- older female character mm-hmm. in the fact that she does have flaws. I don't necessarily feel like there is a character like her that I can like really pull out of. I I feel like we are getting some now like on mm-hmm. TV and stuff like we have some some mobster movies where you do have the older women kind of taking charge and being, you know, kind of anti-hero bad guy, but also like like you have characters that have shades of gray, mm-hmm. which is something that I like. So I I mean, I think that this movie just checks off boxes that I like. 
and it's easy for me to watch. Mm -hmm. Like it's yeah. something that I don't necessarily need to fully understand. But yeah. It's, it's a good like laundry day movie. So the clapper situation doesn't work because Mrs. Connolly just claps to turn her TV back on. Girl smart. There's a clap on, clap off. And then she just starts clapping all night and they have a clap fight. <laughs> I love that scene. Oh, God. I feel like at that point they should be like, okay, she's evil. Yeah. That's the point where you know that she's legitimately. It's not like she's falling asleep with the TV on. She's legitimately doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and they definitely should not have gone to their realtor to ask for help. Oh, man. He's like, sorry, you paid too much. Bye. Yeah. I, I like that we got another scene with him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so cutting forward to their housewarming party, Alex has his publisher there who, again, gives him pressure to finish his book. But also Alex, Alex's friend brought the pornographer hitman to the party, Chick. Only in New York. Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and this is where Nancy tries to show her co-workers the Mrs. Connolly's apartment and then brings them unlawfully there. And then Mrs. Connolly jumps out and maces Wallace Sean in the face. And he As falls is down the her stairs. right. As is her right. And <laughs> Officer Dan shows up and says, hey, she could press charges against you. And you're lucky she's not because it is legit unlawful for that entry. Yeah. Nancy at work. It's like, hey, Wallace Shawn, I'm super sorry you got maced. Like, it um, totally wasn't my fault. She's just crazy. Yeah. Like, girl, it was your fault. And he's like, I wish this was the reason why I'm firing you, but look at this magazine that you published your husband's penis all over. You fired. <laughs> As is his right. As is his right. Everybody's <laughs> just, yep. I do kind of feel like I need that moment, particularly of Nancy being like, I am the awful person in this. Yeah. I am getting what's coming to me. Yeah, that definitely is missing from the movie. Because she really is like the worst. <laughs> Alex gets shit on a lot. He's just trying to do his thing. But like Nancy is like full on like fucking up. <laughs> well, and she's spending. She goes out and buys mm -hmm. like a $200 rug. Yeah. Right after they buy a house. Yeah. She buys a peacock and a stool. Like yeah. all these little. She loves antiquing that woman. <laughs> God Too bless her. much. So now Alex has officially like reached his breaking point. Like he sees the Mr. Peabody. He's like legit like you couldn't fucking handle being here all day. I'm going right in Starbucks. Goes to right in Starbucks. So then Nancy's home doing mrs Connolly's chores and going crazy we didn't get enough of like her going crazy from it really no like she gets one day and she's like let's ask her to leave yeah like she's just like no I, i'm not i'm not putting up with it like you did <laughs> we're gonna give her these chocolates and ask her to leave very nicely and as is her right mrs Connolly says this is my home <laughs> yep and then they said what about ireland as your home <laughs> And then she starts to go like, yeah, that could be cool. But then she mm -hmm. chokes on a chocolate, which is like also another good scene with her. Yeah, I thought that one was fun because it either you get the hint of like, oh, my God, they almost won. Yeah. They're going to win this. 
You get the little gratification that she's got that caramel and she just can't chew. So she can't talk. And then she starts choking. And then Alex gives her the Heimlich and then mouth to mouth, <laughs> which is the second movie we watched in a row with kind of unnecessary mouth to mouth. It is. Oh, shit. It is. <laughs> uh, fortunately, Miss Conley is revived, but she's lost her memory. <laughs> well, and Drew Barrymore is touching her boobs. Yeah. So at the police station, she just wants them to be labeled as perverts. As is her right. And then Nancy goes and says to Alex, we should have just let her choke. And that's where they start plotting murder. Really think about it. Like when um, Nancy's fixing the rug for Mrs. Connolly, this is where she imagines it. And we see her, see her imagination throwing Mrs. Connolly down the stairs. So then they just talk about how much and how many different ways they want to kill her. Which clearly they did not, they just did not think think things out properly yeah and at this point alex has finished his book because he's been in starbucks and a bar just type type tippity type typing away and this is the part where he goes into her place because she's screaming about a a rat and she throws his laptop into the fire and then when he goes to like bring it outside he trips and throws it in the street and then a truck rolls over it (laughs) Why did he need to take it outside, though? Was it snowing? I had the insinuation that he was going to throw it in snow to put out the fire. Possibly, Maybe. That's that's one thing that's never made sense to me. Weather? (laughs) Well, no, like him taking the laptop outside. Like, why did it necessarily have to go outside after he'd gotten it out from the fire? I mean, really, he should have just been able to put it out with the blanket to just, like, kill all that oxygen. Yeah. Man, I just think about how does Mrs. Connolly keep finding these couples who just seriously don't let her die? There are multiple occasions where they could have just been like, we didn't hear her. We weren't there. We couldn't see. <laughs> like, You don't have to answer the door for her. Yeah. Or you don't have to pick her up from a burning building. Just get yourself out. <laughs> that part I kind of like because that like showed... Deep down, they're really not like, killers. Complete yeah. horrible people. I guess we need to see that, so we're not like they've been plotting to kill this little lady for half yeah. the movie. Yeah, although they did. <laughs> okay. Oh, so Alex is fired now. They both don't have jobs. Yeah. Oh, there's a scene I really like, except I don't like how it ended when they hear on the on the TV that there's this flu going around that kills like infants and elderly and then alex is on the train and he just breathes in this guy (laughs) sneezing and then they both get really sick and then they cough all over the popcorn and then they go and give it to her then it ends with vomit jokes and i don't like vomit jokes yeah i also like why didn't they just call like a plumber i don't know yeah there's all this weird stuff with the plumbing thing in this movie yeah yeah, they really should not have been doing their own plumbing. They also probably should have had an inspector come out before they bought the house. Yes. Property Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> they know what's up. Truth. There's a really kind of dumb scene that happens where they break into her place to kind of prank it a la Amelie. I didn't understand this. Were they just trying to do ridiculous things that might kill her? 
Yeah, just push up the rug so that she trips and did all the things that they were doing backfired onto them. Like they yeah. turned off. Like I can't believe they fucking turned off the pilot lights on the stove. I'm like, hello, your house is attached to this house. Yeah, they definitely were very sleep. Like this is also like very sleep deprivation possibly like you're not thinking very clearly no and then i I really do get like the money pit vibes but it it makes me miss the money pit. god i love the money pit i like how i've watched that for funsies after we've you know recorded about it it's a fun movie (laughs) go back and listen to our money pit episode because you love tom hanks as much as we do you do (laughs) i did a sponsor voice for our own podcast Next is the water dripping in the water spot. After Alex has been severely burned Mm -hmm. by opening the oven because he forgot to blow out the oven pilot light after he has turned on the gas, Nancy is electrocuted because she's rewiring a lamp to electrocute Mrs. Connolly. They're in bed and then the piping is still a problem. So there's this Mm -hmm. giant water spot above their bed and it's dripping onto them. And Alex is like, this is so soothing, which I thought was a good, (laughs) which I liked that joke. That joke was a good joke and comes up with the idea of making this worse. Yes. How do you feel about this? Well, I feel like it would then fall back on them for being negligent. Like legally, they would be negligent. Which does happen like when the ce- okay jumping ahead the ceiling does fall through because yeah. of ri- river dancing and such yeah but it doesn't kill her because it only falls through partially in the part that she's not on yeah um but then yeah the the officer comes by and it's just like um your whole ceiling is completely water damaged how did you not see this and um it's calling is like well they were fiddling with the pipes and he's like, so what's your fault? <laughs> yep. Here's a citation. <laughs> Gosh. It was a fun montage. There's some really good montages in the movie. Like Danny DeVito does do good montages. Totally. But then Alex buys a gun, <laughs> which for me didn't have a good payoff. Like it was instantly he's got the gun. And I thought, OK, here's the start of the third act. You know, yeah. the stakes have raised. But immediately, it's just Nancy picks up the gun and accidentally shoots Alex in the nuts. End of stakes being raised. <laughs> Mr. Peabody. And the hospital scene is creepy. The hospital scene did not age well, where the doctor grabs his... Oh, yeah. Without gloves. Oh, yeah. And she's like, can you feel that? And he's like... <sighs> yeah, yeah. Did not age well. So that's when they're like, we're going about this murder thing all wrong. We should keep it simple. And that's where they go up in the dumbwaiter with the pillow. Yes, my favorite scene with old lady. It's so mm-hmm. good. It's so good. She lights that cigarette and I'm like, yes, she's going to murder them in their sleep. And I love it. Yeah, she tells them we're going to be one big, happy family. So why don't you just go back? The way you came. <laughs> Get out of my house. So they do end up meeting with the hitman chick to hire him. And he's going to cost 25 k Which is pretty cheap for a hitman. 
These are things that Ashley knows. Yeah. So then they have to sell all their belongings, which is also, I think, a good montage. It, it was the opposite of their moving in montage. Yeah. yeah. There were good montages in this movie. Yeah. It's just like, I think the cinematography is top notch. Who's the cinematographer? Let's look it up. Anastas Mikos. What else has he done? Kissing Booth. <laughs> Death to Smoochie and Mona Lisa Smile. He's still working. Some TV movies. Some documentaries. Yeah. Like, he, he's, I think he's doing good for himself. Yeah. I don't want to see more. He's very particular. Like, doing Death the Smoochie, doing Man on the Moon. Like, yeah. Those are, like, have particular, like, looks and stories to them. Like this, you yeah. know? Okay, back to the movie. So, Chick shows up. They're still in their apartment. He goes in and through the dumbwaiter, goes up to the old lady's apartment, has a giant knife. The knife may be too big for this scenario. The knife was that big just so that it could be seen in that low lighting situation. <laughs> I, like, I 100% feel that way. That, but I, yeah, I don't feel like a hitman who's subtle would use this giant. Like, I don't think he was a real hitman. No? No, I don't think What's he was. I think he was just, he was a porno guy and he was just like, yeah, I work in porn. And I'm like super macho and manly and masculine. And I'm going to also be like a hitman, part of the mob. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was a real hitman, though. I think it was just a cover. Like That's what, what he told his friends mm. that he did. Well, he almost ended up dead. He got himself in too deep. Yeah. Oh, man. At the same time, Officer Dan shows up with carolers. It was just a mess. It was kind of a stressful mess. Yeah. Because like he shows up. She's totally ready for him. She says, I knew they would send a pro and then shoots him with the spear gun in the shoulder, causing him to like back up into the fireplace or knock something into the fireplace. The Christmas tree. The Christmas tree into the fireplace. And then just the whole room starts going up in flames. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) They were not smart. No, the house is on fire. So they go up and save her. And little dick. And little dick. Gotta save that little D. Little D. Oh, big D. uh, Dudley's nickname in Harry Potter. It was. Sup, big D? (laughs) Big D? Big D. How you doing? Uh, What's he up to now? (laughs) So they do take a loss. On their uh, apartment. Yeah, even after fixing it up. Where they had all this money, we don't know. (laughs) They fix it up. They take the loss and sell it. So they're like in the negative. Like, yeah. where are they living? <laughs> in the Bronx. Oh, right. So they were able to like, I don't know, move to some other place on credit maybe? Because they're white. Yeah. In the Bronx. An up and coming neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But before that, Harvey brings them upstairs just to say goodbye. And they find Mrs. Connolly dead. After they sign the papers. So they go and then they think about all the things that have done, all the things that have been happening. They're sad that she's dead because she was just just always so full of life. You know what made me a little mad about this scene? What? Because they didn't actually check her themselves. They just trusted Harvey. Yeah. I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't have given up so easily. Yeah, because they wanted her to be dead yeah i thought that they were gonna i thought that she was dead and then they were gonna be like rip up that paperwork yeah 
and then and then we as the the audience learn that it was all a scam that she's alive and well and yeah and then it's harvey just is these her three. son officer dan They're, is harvey's partner the three of them scamming like 20 couples already yeah over the years but she won wow she won oh but then also alex based his new book off of it so he did end up putting out a book that made money and it was based off of this situation it's called duplex like the movie ah and danny devito tells you if you want to know how they felt read the book i liked that bit (laughs) (laughs) because it was like you know how you feel like as somebody who reads the book and then like goes and watches like a movie based on a book Mm -hmm. and you know people are like gosh like some of this stuff like why wasn't it explained and you're just like read the book read it Mm -hmm. read it yeah that's how i felt i'm still missing like nancy's character change nancy learning i feel like she was the worst (laughs) we got to know a, a, a result for alex's like pain and suffering but we didn't get to know that she like learned from her mistakes yeah i'm like what what happens to Nancy after this? Is she going to continue being competitive? Is she going to... I don't know. Is she going to have a baby? I think she just is like, okay, now we're going to get knocked up because A, I'm out of work and you've got this new book and you're rolling in dough. So let's just... Let's just have a baby. Let's just have the baby. Yeah. In the Bronx. <laughs> in the Bronx. Come on. Fuck it. Whatever. We just went through all this shit. Let's just... Baby time. Okay. Do you still stand by your theme? You had a theme, right? <laughs> Yeah, an allegory for couples who have specifically like stereotypical white couples who go into marriage with the idea that we're going to have the perfect house, the perfect baby, like everything is going to be perfect and nothing bad is ever going to happen. And that's never the case. I like that. I like that as a a lesson in a movie. And it also reminds me of Money Pit. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I, and I do, I think it's like, she really was like showing them, you two are not prepared for a baby. Mm-hmm. You are not prepared to lose sleep. You are not prepared to like have terrible- Random negotiations. <laughs> yeah, ra- negotiations over like ridiculous things or even like dealing with spit up. Like even his rant in the restaurant where he's like, talking about how stressful it is to deal with her that was the point where i was like she's just the representation of the baby that they want to have so bad Mm -hmm. i like that i really like that and i wish it leaned more into that but i like that it's there but you you think now at the end of the movie they're ready to have kids no no i feel like the goal would to get them to be ready to have kids so here's why i say no because we never got to see nancy Mm -hmm. accepting that fact of life and I never got like the feeling like that this experience brought them closer together as a couple like how parenthood should they're gonna learn that children are not for them and that's okay yeah that's also a good lesson that we don't really see in movies ever yeah it's okay to not have kids yeah because I do think our generation or at least generation before us has this idea of what the perfect situation is Mm -hmm. oh yeah millennials are having a lot less kids (laughs) yes 
Ashley, I really like your evaluation of this movie. I, yeah, I, I really like it. Oh, thank you. It's smart. You're smarty pants. <laughs> Not always, but yeah, sometimes. <laughs> uh, would you care to do a dramatic reading with me? Yes, sure. Okay, so we're going to do this dramatic reading. Ashley is going to be Alex and I'm going to be Nancy. Nancy? <laughs> Nancy? <laughs> That's it. I always get it the second time. When are you ready? You threw her down the stairs? No, but I imagined it. I liked it. I'm evil. I'm a horrible, horrible person. No, she's practically ruined our lives. It's perfectly natural to have thoughts like that. Really? Yeah. I've even had a couple. Like what? Just, you know, snapping her neck, electrocuting her, beating her to death, decapitating her, drowning her, bludgeoning her in in a humane way. Mm. Dicing her up, like, you know, into little pieces, but asphyxiating her first so she didn't feel anything. Mm. I'm I'm glad you clarified that. (laughs) You're evil, too. Aww. Uh, uh, uh. And (laughs) scene. Scene. White lady laugh. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. White privilege. <laughs> what even is our podcast anymore? Eh, you know, it's a thing. Okay, so then Ashley, let's rate this movie. Do you want to go first? I went first last time. <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. Uh, so mm-hmm. I will rate this movie... Three signed first edition crime novels. Aw, that's a sweet one. I'm giving this movie two loofahs. <laughs> Get it, girl. Holla. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Self-love. Yay. Speaking of love, we got some love via our mailbag. We got a review on iTunes from Mrs. Broom, who follows us also on Twitter. She gives us five stars, and the title of her review is Fresh Points of View. Aww. Smart reviews of all things rom-com by two women who offer interesting perspectives on things often overlooked when talking about movies. She gave us, like, the the Netflix uh, <laughs> description version. Yeah, I like it. It's perfect for awesome. this podcast. Perfect. Perfecto. Thank you very much, Mrs. Broom. See you on the internet. Oh, wow. What an episode it has been, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Next time on the podcast, we are watching 2003's How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> More white people in New York. I've never seen this movie. I have extensively. Wow. This is another really good folding laundry movie. Oh, good. I should start up a load. (laughs) There you go. But also, hey, listener, pay attention. We are looking for your questions because we have our yearly mailbag episode coming up where we talk about our year this Season four in podcasting cutaways year. Gosh, we're about to kick off season five in a couple months. How does this make sense? I don't know, ma'am. But please send us your questions and we will answer them on the podcast and give you a shout out. Uh, We very much appreciate it. It's a whole episode. 
not watching a movie, but just answering questions and talking about the movies we have watched in the previous year. It's a good time. Oh, man. So our podcast is entirely funded by our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash cutawayspodcast. They're awesome. They get advanced episodes. They get bonus episodes. They get goodies and all for as little as one dollar a month. And we greatly appreciate it because it helps us out hosting. I mean, like, this is the Internet. We got to put these episodes somewhere and that costs us money. Yeah. So... Thank you for all you guys for supporting us so that we can uh, keep the blanket fort open, as you say, right? <laughs> keep the twinkle lights on. That's what it is. <laughs> there's no there's no actual door on the blanket fort. It's no. always open. It's always open. <laughs> uh, speaking of, our website, which is super awesome, has like our blog and all of our fancy schmancy stuff and pictures of blanket forts. <laughs> it's the cutaways.com you can find all of our episodes there find new ones you haven't listened to yet they're all great they're all all of our episodes are great fantastic five-star episodes are they they are not are they though (laughs) do we even know what we're doing find the ones where we're just phoning it in and give us a shout out yeah do it this one this one you didn't do so well on Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. Because <laughs> we were broken. You can uh, shout us out on social media at all these places. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our Facebook group, the Cutaways Blanket Fort, everywhere else at, at Cutaways Podcast. Everywhere. everywhere. Just Google that shit. Thank you for subscribing. If you have subscribed, if you haven't. Do it because then we're automatically in your phone every time. Hit us up on all your favorite podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Everything <laughs> Cast. Yeah. Leave us some comments and rate us, and then we will shout you out on this year podcast like you heard today from Mrs. Broom. Yeah. That's all. That's the speech. If you're still listening, thank you. You're awesome. Congratulations. You win. You win this upcoming promo from another Lady Pod Squad podcast. Check them out as well. (laughs) Rep those female voices, bitches. Thank you for joining us in the Blanket Fort. Yes, thank you. Bye. Nancy, 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 trauma, disordered eating, surviving, and self-care. We talk about it all while laughing as much as possible, because if you don't laugh, you'll cry. If you like to laugh, feel like you've never quite fit into most lady groups or podcasts because you're not a mom, or are a mom who needs a break from momming for an hour, you should come hang out with us. A non-mom happy hour, bringing healing through laughter and community, streaming basically everywhere you could possibly want to find us. Remember, always be a real-ass human. To check out the podcast, visit anonmomhappyhour.com.